Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Specials. I am Dustin and on today I have a huge panel uh, of writers from the website. All of these guys take have, have done various projects on the website. But we are here to discuss Suicide Squad because honestly I don't have anywhere else to discuss this given that it's not a comic book and that's the only podcast I'm on nowadays. But... Uh, and and if you if we are writing stuff on the website, there's not a whole lot of opportunities to put your two cents in. So I wanted to discuss this. Uh, a lot of people responded very well to our Batman vs Superman special that we did back in March slash April um, when that movie came out. So we wanted to discuss Suicide Squad, get it out there. You know, let us let let uh, you the fans and listeners know whether or not we enjoyed the film or not, and discuss a, a number of different points that have popped up since the movie has premiered as well as you know actually released um different things that uh news stories that have popped up related to anything from the joker to the critics giving it very very bad ratings so we're going to discuss all of those elements so let me introduce the group that we have today so first up we have jerry hello we have jim hello ian hi there bill hey how's it going chris thanks for having me back glad to be here ryan Hey, guys. And that is our panel. A little bit smaller than BBS, but nonetheless, we're going to have plenty to talk about, so let's just dive straight into it. So before we get too in-depth into some of the news stories, let's talk about the story itself. So basically, the the gist of Suicide Squad, if those of you... Uh, no, I'm not even going to delve into who the Suicide Squad is, because either you've seen the movie, you haven't seen the movie, but you probably have you'd probably have somewhat of an idea of who the Suicide Squad is as a group of characters from the DC Universe. But the gist of the story of the film is basically the Suicide Squad gets put together by Amanda Waller. Rick Flagg is the leader um, of the team, the basically the field ops leader, while Amanda Waller is the behind-the-scenes, uh, you know, behind-closed-doors leader. Um, the team consists of a number of characters, some of them don't last very long. Some of them, you know, don't even last the, to the end of the mission. Um, and some of them last a lot longer. So the, you know, we have Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, El Diablo, Rick Flagg is the leader. Enchantress is basically the main villain, um, with Incubus as a secondary villain, uh, slash the brother of Enchantress. Uh, we have Joker popping up, Slipknot, makes an appearance. Katana is also in the film. Lots of characters. So so basically the, the gist of the film is that Enchantress is not such a great person. Um, June Moon is possessed by Enchantress. The, I, I, the, the only way I could guess I could phrase it is uh, possessed by the soul of Enchantress because she accidentally came across something while, in, uh, while on an archaeological uh, dig slash find um, exploration, whatever, and Enchantress releases her brother to destroy humanity because they no longer, humanity itself no longer needs 
Enchantress or her brother. So they set out to destroy humanity as a whole by creating some sort of massive weapon in the middle of Midway City. Cut to Amanda Waller, who has been lobbying the government to create this team of misfit villains to do the bad stuff that the government can't have any any links to whatsoever. And her team gets called in to go to Midway City. The 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 beginning of the story basically is they're there to get a high value target, HVT, um, and the the high value target that they need to get out of Midway City and save ends up being Amanda Waller. Uh so we'll you know we'll talk about that for a second, but then the other part of it is after they get Amanda Waller out of Midway City, she doesn't she ends up getting taken over by Enchantress at a different point, and the team then has to basically stop Enchantress and Incubus, and that's basically the gist. I'm not going to give away every single thing in case you haven't seen the end of the film, but the 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 gist is that's what ends up happening. That's the basic plot of the film. Um, for a while, during the initial announcement of the film, and a lot of the, even the trailers, there was a question of who the actual villain of the film was. So uh, lots of talking points. Let's just start it off. Jerry, where do you want to start? Well, I don't think that um, most movies like this are, you know, the story itself is generally not the strong point, and that is certainly the case here. Um, I, I thought... Uh, you know, the way that some of the characters were introduced was um, kind of hit and miss. You know, some of the big ones got, like, you know, were kind of introduced twice almost, and some other ones were hardly introduced at all. I, would, I think uh, Katana in particular is just kind of like, oh, guess what? Here's Katana. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't really watch these movies, like, looking really closely at the, at the kind of plot or structure. I just kind of sit back and enjoy them. This one, though, I thought um, uh, the Enchantress uh, and Incubus, they were making some kind of machine or other to take over the world or destroy the world or something. And it really wasn't clear how that was supposed to work. She needed her heart for some reason. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I don't really look at these movies, look at the plot of these movies that closely when I just kind of sit back and enjoy them. But this one seemed a little more um, kind of random and haphazard than, than usual. But having said that, I think that, you know, the scenes and, the, you know, the characters are really what carries this movie. And I think they do uh, very well in that respect. Actually, I like the story. I thought it was fun. It brought in the different characters. I agree with you, Dustin, when you said that some of the characters were not introduced well enough. I know I was seeing the movie with a friend of mine who had no idea who Slipknot was because he even asked me, whispering in my ear, like, who is that? They didn't even really introduce him very well. As far as the story is concerned, I actually did enjoy it. It was fun. It was definitely suspenseful. I just, I like I said, I just enjoyed it overall. I think that the movie was mostly an excuse to let each character uh, play. It was, it was really a character piece. As such, I thought it was pretty good, although a bit overstuffed. For me, I, I mean, the, the story itself, I, I mean, I think, uh, think Jerry brought this up earlier uh, already. Uh, you know, you kind of go into this with maybe as a fan rather than a critic, so to speak. Uh, so I wasn't going in there ready to analyze. That being said, yeah, the third act kind of fell apart a little bit. The Enchantress wasn't exactly the villain I would have gone with for the movie and kind of that 
world-ending machine. Just, I don't know, it, it wasn't exactly what I was hoping to see in a Suicide Squad movie for the most part. Introduction of the characters, I loved it. I thought that was just the best way to go about it. You're taking a really kind of, you know, at this point in the DC Cinematic Universe, a really uh, risky step. So it kind of kind of means you got to take a few risky moves here in terms of even introduction of the characters with that kind of music video feel, giving each character their own theme almost. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun right off the bat uh, using some classic songs. So, no, I, I like that a lot. So um, overall, I mean, I thought the story was, was exciting. Um, you really didn't know who was going to make it out, really, uh, at the end of it. Um, you could maybe place a few <laughs> careful bets and you'd probably be all right. But um, with the title of Suicide Squad, you just weren't too sure. So, yeah, I thought it uh, kept me engaged the whole time. Yeah, this is Chris. Uh, story-wise, I, I had a hard time with it. I thought Suicide Squad borrowed a lot from other movies. Uh, Ghostbusters with the Supernatural and having a possessed brunette had recognizable pop music like the intro to Guardians of the Galaxy. We had the funny on-screen captions like we had with Daredevil. We had a slow-motion gun toss, which for a key moment, that was like, I'm watching The Untouchables. And every movie where there is a thingy that shoots lightning-slash-energy from the sky is there, and it's around a floating circle. I even thought one of the actors looked like Clancy Brown, and I thought, hey, great Clancy Brown's in this movie. I mean, this will elevate the performance, and I, I, I really like all the stuff he's in. But then upon a closer inspection, it turned out it was just another actor, and that came off as a copy to me. There were a few nice touches, though. I, we had a reference to John Ostrander with the building name after him. That was a nice touch. But for me, there just wasn't a lot of stuff that was new. Save for two performances, I just thought the story was really average. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Ryan. Thanks, Chris. I really like the movie. Um, I, I kind of agree with some of the points that came up before that, I mean, we kind of go into these movies as fans and, you know, we don't expect too much out of it. And honestly, I wasn't expecting a lot out of this film. I mean, no one really know what to expect. Um, Dustin, you mentioned that we, you know, the trailers didn't really hint at who the villain was going to be. So I kind of went in with a bit of an open mind and and kind of expecting a fun time. And, and because I did that, I I really did kind of, I really did enjoy the film and, and it was very good. It was action packed. It was fun. Um, I think my only drawback to it was that it was a little bit too fast paced. Um, they did try and cram a lot into the film. And I kind of like the beginning of the film where um, Amanda Waller introduces all the squad members and then the latter half of the film where they're actually in the mission. But the leap from here's the squad to put the squad into action was like almost instantaneous. And there wasn't enough of like a, a downtime in between like getting to know each other or something like that. Like the team working together was almost, hey, here's the squad. Okay, put them into action now. So that would have been on my only change on the story. Yeah, I have to agree on that. I mean, the big thing is the the beginning with the flashbacks, I think they did a good job with introducing a lot of the characters, but it was very abrupt. They're just getting thrown into a mission. You don't even know whether or not these people are actually going to work together or not. Um, so, so that aspect of it, completely agree with 100%. Um, as far as the, you know, my expectations, going into this film, I didn't really have a whole lot of, I didn't have super high expectations. Um, you know, I think as Batman fans, we have been spoiled by Chris Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. We, you know, 
the majority of bad fans really enjoyed it. Uh, mainstream audiences took notice of those films and kind of started to get a lot more focus on the superhero films, I, I believe, across the board for mainstream fans because of how how good they were. They're not perfect by any means, but they were very good films. I myself enjoy watching tons of movies, independent films, things like that. I love watching films and, you know, watching a film and thinking this has got, this is a perfect story. There's, there's no plot holes. Um, but that doesn't always, that, that more often than not does not end up being the case. There's almost always plot holes and things like that. And when you get to big budget films, popcorn, summer movies that, uh, you know, have a lot of effects and things like that, there tends to be holes that just, that just what ends up happening. I was excited about David Ayer being involved with the film to begin with because I've seen a lot, all of his previous films, including films that he didn't direct, but he wrote the, wrote the original stories for and things like that. And I've, I've enjoyed his previous work, so I expected it to be good, but because he's never worked on a tentpole film or a franchise film, however you want to phrase it, I was you know, hesitant to a degree to whether or not he could he, he would be able to pull it off because a lot of his films are very smaller budget films and very character driven and, and very, and very story focused, which is not necessarily a bad thing because when you introduce a humongous group of characters, as long as you're giving each character a good chunk of time to shine, you know, he, you, you've got something, whether the story has holes or not, the, the cast itself can hold the film. Um, I think, you know, going into this film, I was, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who the, the villain was. I assumed it was having something to do with Enchantress just because of the fact that we weren't getting a whole lot of information about Enchantress ahead of time like some of the other characters and the fact that she was never shown dealing with or interacting with any of the other characters. Um, so overall, I went into it not having huge expectations, walking out thinking there was a fun movie. I mean... There was there was issues there were with the story and there was plot holes and I had some minor issues here and there with the pacing like that was mentioned before, but overall I, I enjoyed the film as as a whole. I thought that you know it was a good fun movie to to watch and enjoy. Um, one of the things I want to talk about before we dive into the actors because there's there's a lot of actors to discuss is prior to the movie coming out we were almost met with almost the exact controversy that happened to Batman vs Superman prior to it releasing in theaters which was the you know a couple days before the film is set to premiere or set to release to the mainstream public critics start submitting their you know their reviews to Rotten Tomatoes and instantaneously Suicide Squad is rated around 35% and currently as we're recording this it's now dropped down to 26% which puts it 1% lower than Batman vs Superman now I want to talk about two points here. Number one, did you enjoy the film more or less than Batman vs Superman? And did you think, or in that same vein, did you think it was a better film story-wise, actor-wise, things like that, than Batman vs Superman? Do you think it warrants it being rated less than Batman vs Superman? And the other question is, you know, the do you feel like there's something going on that, you know, there's new stories online talking about how the critics just have it out for superhero films in general, which can't be entirely the case because the Marvel films 
have that you know they start out with really low ratings and then slowly as time goes on and they put more movies out that you know they slowly gain higher ratings and things like that but there's you know the controversy of whether or not or a conspiracy theory of whether or not there's something going on with critics and the reason why they're doing this the the dc films i don't think there that's the case but then the other aspect of it is are the critics just being too harsh because they're getting sick of these superhero films now that we're getting, not just in the DC, but with Marvel films and all of that, we're getting so many films that are superhero-themed every single year. So two parts, let's talk about that. Well, in terms of the critics, um, I I knew that the criticisms of the movie were, were pretty bad, but I expect that, you know, we saw the same thing with Batman versus Superman. And like you say, and I enjoyed that movie. And I would say I enjoyed this movie um, even more. And if it, uh, my guess is if it hits 20 on Rotten Tomatoes, buy because I just think that this was a lot of fun. And I don't think, you know, as much as the plot was kind of a mess. I don't think you were, you know, and critics, of course, they're going to um, want to kind of break it down, break the movie down. Did it work? Did it not work? But that's not how I watch a superhero movie. Uh, there's been a lot of crazy superhero movies and even very good ones that the plot doesn't work. In, in the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, where he, Lois Lane is killed and he wants to turn back time, so he spins around the earth and makes it rotate backwards, right? You know, that's not how time and and space work you know so in that context this whole machine that's going to kill everybody isn't so bad so um i would say that this was for me i'm a harley quinn fan so i loved seeing her uh, on the screen um even though that there were some you know i have some things i would like to see more next time and um i would say overall i enjoyed this more than I did Batman vs. Superman. I agree. I enjoyed this tremendously more than Batman vs. Superman. There, there was humor in here. There wasn't... I mean, one of the issues I have with Batman vs. Superman is the godlike quality of Superman just hovering and floating around. And here, with this, I actually saw the characters that I've been reading in the comics. They behaved like I expect them to behave. They did what I expect them to, to do. It was just, it was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I walked out of Batman v Superman just going, oh, okay, that's interesting. But this, I was actually charged. I was actually excited walking out. I have to say that um, I am a Wonder Woman fan, so Batman vs. Superman was more enjoyable for me um, just because I had that connection to a character that I don't, I don't really care either way about any of the characters in this movie other than how they're portrayed in the movie itself. So I would say I did enjoy Batman versus Superman better than this movie, but that's not to say I didn't enjoy this movie at all. It's just, I thought that for me, that movie did more of what I wanted. And I think that segues into the answer to the second part, which is I've been theorizing myself that we are going to see a superhero backlash um, within the year. And I think it's very frustrating that I think we are seeing a superhero backlash but I think that it's being misinterpreted as an anti-DC backlash. I really don't think that Suicide Squad or Batman vs. Superman are objectively worse movies than uh, Captain America Civil War or Guardians of the Galaxy. I've had some relatively civil discussions with people online who 
swear up and down the Guardians of the Galaxy is a fantastically constructed, brilliantly written movie. And I looked at it and I said, it is a fun piece of fluff that makes no sense if you think about it for two seconds. And that's exactly what I'd say about Suicide Squad. I was stunned when I saw that it was getting... Uh, the same critical response as Batman vs. Superman, because I could understand Batman vs. Superman, not only do you have the negative baggage sound surrounding Zack Snyder, it's also an extremely dark movie, whereas other movies haven't been that overtly dark, at least not since something like The Dark Knight. The only explanation that makes any sense to me is that we're seeing the rubber band snap back from all this positive superhero attention that we've been getting since 2002 when spider-man came out and i just think that people are reading it wrong i think people are saying oh it's because it's dc it's because it's dark i don't think so i think people are just glutted yeah if you would have told me uh a year ago that i would have walked out of suicide squad liking that more than batman vs superman i would have said you were crazy um this movie just was i just walked out with such a more positive feeling um, than I did Batman vs Superman. I felt like I understood the characters so much before Superman being godlike and kind of unrelatable. Now I've heard the director's edition or whatever, the ultimate cut that helps out a little bit, but you know, just based on the theatrical cuts, you know, I felt like I connected a lot more with the characters in Suicide Squad and understood where they were coming from rather than, um, rather than Batman vs. Superman. And it was nice not to see Batman kill a bunch of people in this movie. So that was nice just him arresting someone for once. Um, as far as the critics being uh, you know, fed up with the overall maybe superhero backlash, you know, it might just come down to actually, I've always thought that it wasn't, maybe they're not anti-DC, but more they think DC is jumping on some kind of bandwagon here uh, that Marvel has really taken this charge and created somewhat of a superhero movie renaissance here where we're getting a really a, a hit after hit after hit and both with critics and fans. So, and we still get Marvel movies now with these 90% ratings. So I wonder if maybe these critics go in already thinking that DC is just trying to copy what Marvel has done. So they're not going to give them a good score anyways. I was very surprised that the critic reaction was where it was just because this movie felt to me maybe in the same tone that some of those Marvel movies have where it connects with the audience and people leave after having a good time rather than, you know, having to rethink their whole life like Batman vs. Superman seemed to do with a lot of fans. So, um, yes, overall, I mean, Batman vs. Superman, as much as it tried to do and, there were some good parts about it. The Suicide Squad movie just felt a lot more as a, just a cohesive movie. It had a, just an overall better feeling uh, that it gave me uh, when I left the theater. For me, I thought this was much, much better than Batman v Superman. I had a lot of problems with the length of the uh, Batman v Superman. I had a lot, a lot of problems with the characterization. I had a lot of problems with the tone and the violence. Suicide Squad, I knew, I, I knew what I was getting into. I was very worried about the characterization of some of the key characters. Once I settled in, I knew where this was going. Granted, I had some problems with Suicide Squad, but yes, this was much, much better of a film. And Harley Quinn was excellent. The story was excellent. It moved along. I, I, well, not excellent, but I, I got I got a vibe of where the feel of the movie. And I thought it, 
it executed what it had to, not perfect, but decently. I was just stunned, though, to see so many of the negative criticism because with, with Batman v Superman, I, I tended to fall with the consensus negative opinion. Here, I thought this was a much better film, but the reviews I saw mainstream just did not reflect that. And I was shocked. I was baffled. And I, I really couldn't get a good reason why. Uh, the people I talked to, same the Saw movie, same we, we agreed and we had shared opinions. We This was not a perfect movie by any means, but it certainly didn't deserve the harsh criticism that it got. I, I can't begin to speculate if I would. I would ramble on for minutes to hours as to why this is or, or if, if it's a perfect storm of just a, a backlash of movies, um, slaps at fanboys, what have you. I, 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 I'll, I'll open it to anybody else if they've got a decent opinion. Uh, Ryan, I'm, sure, I'm throwing it to you. What do you think of all this? Um, I think me personally, I think it's, kind of tough to compare Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. I mean, yes, they are in the shared universe, and and I did enjoy both, but I enjoyed each of those for different reasons. So uh, if I had to compare the two of them, I would say, personally, Batman v Superman was maybe just a little bit better than Suicide Squad. But I think in the terms of where I enjoyed Batman v Superman for, you know, it's characterizations of of Batman and for what it was doing in opening the doors to the Justice League. I mean, Suicide Squad was funny. Uh, Its characters were um, very well portrayed um, compared to its comic book origins. Like, the design of the film just looked amazing. And then comparing it to what the critics were saying, I mean, I know we've all kind of discussed it so far um, that whether it's this big hate on for superhero films or for DC comic films or what have you. I'm not too sure how to take it because if you have to remember, we're some people are starting to compare obviously DC comics to the Marvel films and Marvel films have, I mean, how many films have they done to date in their series? Like upwards of 15. Um, and really we've got three for the DC comic films. And if we look back at some of the first Marvel films, yeah, they got decent reviews, but I was talking to a friend of mine earlier about Batman V Superman and comparing it to Iron Man two, which was essentially the second ish film of the Marvel universe. And that was kind of okay. And Batman V Superman was kind of okay. And it opened the door and, and I think the bottom line is I don't listen to critics. I don't really care what they say. I make up my own mind. And I think it's just wholly unfair that the critics aren't giving a fair shot to DC Comics. So Yeah, the the thing is I I think both movies have their, their pluses. I think that Suicide Squad was a little bit lighter in tone, obviously because of the type of movie that it was to begin with. Um had plenty of issues with Batman vs Superman, but when it comes to the cast from Batman vs Superman compared to Suicide Squad, I feel as if I have more problems with the cast on top of the story, on top of the plot, on top of you know a lot of different elements uh, with Batman vs Superman compared to Suicide Squad. Um, I had issues with Suicide Squad, but I don't feel as if they were nearly in the same range of the issues that I had with Batman for Superman. So I think it was a better movie. Um, I don't really believe that it should be rated lower than Batman for Superman. Um, when in regards to, you know, the critics potentially going into the film thinking it's already going to suck and already having this mindset that it's going to be bad. The only thing that I can think of is, and, and this is, this is a comparison to films that I also enjoy just because they're fun movies. I like the Transformer movies. The Transformer movies are, you know, they're fun to watch, but the critics just 
tear them apart. Not as bad as what they've been doing with these, with Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad, but they they tear them apart and basically say how horrible they are as well. And despite that, they still end up with around like a forty to sixty percent rating. Um, not nearly as low as this is. I feel as if there are critics out there who basically jump on the bandwagon and just say, "Well, this thing's being shoved down the hole of." it being horrible, we're just going to jump on the bandwagon and do it too. Because also, if you compare the number of reviews that a film like this that is such high profile compared to another film that is a high profile film that gets a better rating, there's not, there's almost more rate, there's there's more ratings per film that gets a bad review than the other way around. Um, I'm sure that's not always the case, but when I was looking it up and looking over it, doing the research prior to this it came across as that was the case. And I was kind of taken aback by that. The also, also the other thing to keep in mind is Marvel uh, first started their movies. I think it was not think it was Iron Man first Hulk came out. Nobody really liked the Hulk movie. They all berated the Hulk movie. And let's think about how long it took the Hulk to actually get back to anybody liking the Hulk just because there, the, that second, that, that second Hulk film did not do very well it wasn't accepted very well by fans or critics alike. And they just kind of ignored Hulk until they threw a brand new actor in the role of Hulk again for Avengers. And then they just changed it all up again. Um, But then Iron Man two came along. Iron Man two was not as well received as Iron Man one. Eventually we had the first Captain America, the first Thor movies. Neither one of those was really accepted very well. And I feel like the, the thing is, Marvel's at a different level right now because they've been doing this for eight years now. I mean, Iron Man came out in 2008. They've been making movies since 2008. They're getting to the point where, I can't remember if it's next year or the year after, they're going to start releasing three films per year rather than just two. That's not even including the Fox stuff with X-Men and, and uh, you know, what they had Deadpool earlier this year. So the thing is, there's there's all kinds of Marvel stuff, but the reality of it is it takes a while for any studio who's doing these films to get a footing. That's just what it takes. I mean, Transformers just did this whole thing where they're re- redoing a lot of the stuff to make it more of a shared universe with other Hasbro properties. We'll see how that turns out. But the whole thing is it takes a while for a studio to really get a grasp as to one, how people are going to accept a film two, how critics are going to accept a film and three, get to a point where you're not just having to introduce characters every single film. You compare movie, a movie like Ant-Man, which is basically introducing a brand new character to um, an audience compared to Captain America or Hulk or Thor. And I, and, and, and at least in my opinion, I think that movie did better at just introducing the character because they realized that it's not just about creating an origin and just telling an origin story. Suicide Squad, to a degree, wasn't really an origin story. Yeah, sure, we got plenty of flashbacks and learned about these characters, but the story wasn't about an origin. It was really just throw these characters together who have never really worked with each other and see how they interact. And that aspect, I think, was great. As far as the the, the critics' takes, I, I just the, I think that they're looking at this from a completely different perspective, and they're looking they're trying to hold it up a little bit higher than it needs to be, um, because these aren't necessarily meant to be. You know, nobody is going into Suicide Squad thinking this is going to be the best picture of the year, and then part of the problem behind that is that 
the previous DC films, meaning the Dark Knight trilogy, people thought that after they saw the Dark Knight. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, next, I want to talk about the actors. Um, we're going to run down a list of actors and their roles. Uh, so we're going to talk about, one, the actor themselves, whether or not they did a really good job in the role or whether you think they didn't do a good job. And then, two, whether or not you thought their character in the film was worthwhile, belonged in the film, you know, things like that. So basically, whether or not the actor did a good job or not, and on top of that, whether or not you thought the character in the film was justified. So the first one we're going to start out with is the the person who was, had top billing, which was Will Smith as Deadshot. I think Will Smith did a really good job uh, with Deadshot. I didn't expect... I expected him to do, you know, he's usually good, he knows how to kind of carry a summer blockbuster movie, but there were a couple of scenes where, uh, particularly in the kind of first action scene where you know, he's shooting, he's up on a car and he's uh, shooting a bunch of those, whatever they were, charcoal um, dudes, and I don't know, I just got this kind of like a thrill, like, yeah, you know, get him that shot. And it just felt really, uh, gave me that exciting feeling that uh, I really liked in these kinds of movies. I think Will Smith did a, did a terrific job. And I think that they did very well with, um, with, with Deadshot. I think that they gave him a good background. I think I really felt like he had a character arc and uh, I cared about what happened to him. I wanted, uh, I wanted that kind of conclusion with his daughter to work out. I was actually impressed with Will Smith. I uh, was afraid when I first heard that Will Smith was going to be Deadshot. I was not in favor of that because I kind of remember him from being the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, so I think Will Smith really hit the character. He was snarky, um, but he was also, I would almost say, he looked like he had military background because his mannerisms were very similar similar to Flag's. Was the character worthwhile? Absolutely. There's nothing else I can say about it. I really was impressed with Will Smith. I thought Will Smith was really fun. He's definitely still doing his Will Smith thing. Um, which is, in my opinion, good because his Will Smith thing is very likable. My only exposure to Deadshot in the comics as a character rather than a plot device is in um, Secret Six, uh, the pre-Flashpoint version of him. So I don't really know much about him other than that. Will Smith didn't seem to be playing that particular character, he talked about how he was a sociopath and didn't care that he killed all those people, but it was very clear that he loved his daughter, and I thought that was a good element of his character. I thought that made his character um, have more complexity than just a guy who's a great shot. That being said, the scene where he mounts the car and wipes out an entire wave of um, converted soldier things was really fun. It was definitely one of the high points of the movie. And I think Will Smith did a great job of selling that. That uh, that Deadshot just loved guns and was really good at doing things with guns. It didn't feel false. It felt really good. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith being Will Smith is always fun. And, and honestly, I feel like he's been going for a lot more of the maybe Oscar movies. You know, he did that, that NFL movie where he was, you know, the trauma doctor and just, he's had a couple of those movies where he's gone more serious. And this was the first time in a while that I feel like I've seen him be fun. 
um, which was always great. I mean, that scene when he, yeah, like you guys have said, mounts the car. I mean, that was a great scene. Um, you know, he had a lot of snarky comments that kind of brought out that the Will Smith-isms, so to speak. But, yeah, I mean, I was, I was very afraid, um, kind of like some of you guys were, that when they announced he was going to be dead shot, that they were going to make him front and center, main character, full backstory, and everyone else is kind of just off to the side, obviously a little bit more maybe for Harley Quinn, but um, that really wasn't the case. I mean, he certainly had a little bit more weight as far as his, uh, his backstory went, but, you know, you could tell he loved his daughter. The scene with Batman in the alley I thought was a great scene. Um, I mentioned earlier, obviously, Batman didn't immediately go for the violence. He wanted to talk it out. You know, you kind of just saw how Will Smith reacted, just Batman coming down and trying to get him. Uh, he was willing to do anything to stay free and with his daughter. So, you know, there were those elements, obviously the ending with him helping her out with her geometry and incorporating some of his uh, assassination, you know, skills. I mean, that was great. That was a lot of fun um, and just made you feel for that character a lot more than maybe I thought we were going to heading into it. Well, I thought Will Smith was Will Smith. He had his requisite moments of being a badass holding a gun sideways occasionally, and he had a couple of funny lines that the audience gave a polite laugh to. He didn't hog the movie, and that was something I was worried about. You know, did anyone else notice that Deadshot's eye scope was over Smith's left eye, but in the comics it's over his right? I, I don't know if there was a reason for that or if that was ever explained any well. Uh, was he worthwhile? Yes. I thought he was used well. Ryan? Won't touch on too much of how I thought Will Smith was in the film because I think everyone's kind of summed up that Will Smith was kind of Will Smith in this movie, but it worked like it was really fun. And I will again, bring up the scene of him on the car, just blowing away all the weird charcoal monster zombie things. Um, it was awesome. And his humor is really great in the film. Um, as for Deadshot in the movie, uh, it, I mean, it was expected when they announced Suicide Squad, for me at least. Um, I've been reading a little bit of Deadshot in, um, you know, the Suicide Squad in New 52 and, and now in Rebirth. Um, and it's it's kind of like the two go hand in hand. Um, so I like that they had Deadshot in there and it was definitely good casting. My quick take on Will Smith, I was also concerned about whether or not he the, all the focus was going to be on him. <laughs> When you have a movie that's basically focused on a team, you have you can have standout characters and actors. No, that's not the issue. But it's whether or not you give all of the other actors enough time to really have their moment and have their you know their time to shine, basically. And I think that Will Smith, as part of an ensemble cast like this, he did really well. He didn't steal the show. Um, in a bad way by any means. There, he had his moments just like all of the other characters, but I was very pleased with it. As far as Deadshot, the character, Deadshot, like like Ryan said, goes hand-in-hand with Suicide Squad. I don't really picture Suicide Squad without Deadshot, although I think in the future, uh, if we were to talk about where Deadshot goes um, after Suicide Squad, I still think he should be in Suicide Squad. Next, next I want to talk about uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. I think she did terrific. Um, she really kind of gave that energy that Harley has. Uh, there were a couple of times that I had some questions or some my very minor concerns about the uh, the accent. I understand that most people who don't live in New York City like I do maybe have a limited um, capacity for listening to that kind of accent. But uh, I, I so I think 
it could it could have been overdone, and I think she did just fine with it. Uh, she just really gave gave that energy that um, Harley Quinn needs, and I look forward to seeing her uh, in future movies. I really love Margot Robbie's uh, performance in this film. She, I think, was probably the funniest character. She was definitely crazy. She loved the violence. She loved the fighting. I really believe that she actually portrayed the Harley Quinn that I've been seeing primarily in New 52, because that's where I've been reading her mostly. Um, and again, I just thought that her character was used very well. Um, they really got into her relationship with the Joker, kind of hinted a little bit with a possible relationship with Deadshot. But other than that, I believe she was she was good. I agree. Um, I think uh, Margot Robbie was doing a very good job. She clearly was enjoying herself and uh, worked hard. Uh, critical response to her character has been either they really liked her or they start complaining about uh, objectification and how it's misogynistic. I think it's unfortunate that the conversation around Batman and film has been skewed by the Killing Joke film, which um, I think has just created an atmosphere where everything that uh, DC does is under a, a microscope. And, you know, it's I can't defend DC as a company per se, but I think in this film, uh, Harley is in control of her own body. She's in control of her own actions. Um, the one minor disappointment I had in her character is I hate the Joker, period. And this will sort of spill over when I talk about Leto's performance, but I don't enjoy his character in any version. And so I like Harley Quinn better when she is pretty much just given up on the Joker and lives her own life. So this is obviously an origin story where they can't do that. But I did appreciate that when she's uh, sort of free of the Joker or not really with the Joker in prison, she gravitates towards other characters like Deadshot. I'm not sure I see a romance there. I mean, they were romantically linked in the film Focus, Will Smith and Margot Robbie, as characters, not as actors. I don't have any idea about the actors. Um, but I did think that there was... Um, Clearly a, a warm relationship there. I would have said more she reminded him of his daughter, although I would hope he didn't want his daughter to become quite that unhinged. I think that Roby was excellent, and she's definitely a good face for the movie and the DC universe, I think. Yeah, I mean, just to echo what everyone's been saying, I mean, she, I thought she did a, a very good job. Um, Ian, kind of piggybacking off what you just said with the relationship, I, I liked the the aspect of them being crazy in love. I loved that scene when he asked her, like, would you die for me? And of course she answers yes, but then he comes up with, will you live for me? And it just kind of shows their psychotic relationship. But what I really actually wanted to see also was, you know, he abandons her at the, you know, first sight of Batman when they go over that bridge. And I kind of was hoping for a little bit of that, you know, basically going back to the Bruce Tim kind of cartoon universe where she kind of has a love-hate thing with Joker where she's, you know, undeniably attracted to him and just connected to him. But she also recognized that he really he can be abusive and he's not exactly the best person for her, but she's still drawn to him. So I kind of was hoping for a little bit of that as far as the negatives. But overall, I mean, she was definitely a source of humor. Uh, the action she was in was great. Um, I always felt it was really cool how she just always seemed to be improvising. There was never any, you know, the, 
the tactical precision of Deadshot. That, I mean, she had it, but it almost seemed like she was just winging. So I thought that was very cool, and uh, I really thought that she portrayed the character well. Well, hands down, she is the best part of the movie. I admit I was a little apprehensive if she could deliver, but she did. Now, some of my local friends worried if she would just merely provide a copy of Arlene Sorkin's voice, but she did more than that, and she made the role her own. Robbie did one move that really impressed me, and I don't know if anyone else caught it or not. I don't know if this was thought up, thought up by herself or if this came from um, Ayer, but right when the squad is resigned to the fact that they can do no more and the group's starting to file into the bar, she does this little bow to the group right before she turns to go inside. And I thought she just nailed it, and that was just so spot on Harley. She can act, and she's got a great set of legs to boot. Uh, I'm already dreamcasting Margot Robbie in other roles, possibly as uh, Michelle Phillips, maybe in a um, as a pop as biopic. Her performance of Harley Quinn is now relegated the last live action mainstream performance by Mia Sarah as Harley Quinzel way back on Birds of Prey to now nothing more than the answer to a trivia question. I also wonder what to make of the caption, though, that when she was introduced early on, though, um, accomplice to Robin's death. And I don't know if we're going to get into that a little bit later or if this is something going to be further addressed in any of the movies down the line. So, Ryan, Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. Go. Uh, I totally didn't even catch that accomplice to Robin's death. So I'm just going to take a second there. Um, That's kind of interesting. But back to Margot Robbie, I thought she was awesome. Uh, Just downright got the character, knew who she was. Um, her relationship with Joker um, was almost perfect. I Again, I, I think I agree. I can't remember who said it, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the, when Joker does abandon her in the car, like, oh my God, he left me, but I still love him, but I hate him kind of thing. Um, but I did find it interesting that, and I can't recall anything where it has happened, but I don't think I've ever really seen Joker come back for Harley, like the way he got the cell phone smuggled into her and and um, was outright looking for her. Um, so that was kind of an interesting part of their relationship that I rather enjoyed. Um, but overall, Margot Robbie was excellent, and um, Harley Quinn in the film, um, now she's uh, one of the staple Suicide Squad characters. So um, definitely... Uh, good casting, and uh, I can't wait to see her again. Yeah, I think Margot Robbie did a great job. Um, I can't even say that I was thinking I, I had any hesitation of whether or not she could actually do a good job because she's had roles in the past that I feel as if she ha- she's a very good actress, um, and as long as she has the right materials, she can she can act. Um, I you know there's been rumors about whether or not Harley or there's been rumors that. There has been talk of a Harley Quinn spinoff because of how good she was. I could definitely see that happening. I'd love to see it morph into, you know, a play on maybe the, you know, TBU uh, female side of the universe as far as, like, you know, including Batgirl, Poison Ivy, introducing a new version of Catwoman. I'd love to see maybe a Gotham Girls type type, uh, film including them. but I would have to agree that I'd like to see her stay away from Joker. I, I understand that that is one of the underlying themes of the film is that they have this relationship and that's why Joker keeps popping up. But I, I do want her to get away from Joker for a longer period of time because when she's not talking about the Joker or worried about the Joker in the film, um, I feel as if her character is it's showing that she's not just 
the Joker's sidekick. And she does well as not the Joker's sidekick. So I want to see her succeed further, not just not not just the, the actress, but the, the, the character itself. I wanted her to succeed and not just re, re, resort back to I'm I'm just, you know, the sidekick to the Joker. Um so that that being said, let's move on to our next one. So now I honestly I feel like Margot Robbie and as and uh, Will Smith were kind of like the head honchos of the Suicide Squad when it comes to characters. But there's definitely a number of other characters. So I want to talk about two characters at the same time. Um, first one is Amanda Waller, Viola Davis, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, I should say, and then uh, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag because these kind of these two characters kind of go hand in hand as far as their relationship goes and their position amongst the team. So let's talk about those two characters. I thought um, Amanda Waller, uh, that characterization was was spot on. I think there were a couple of strange things that they um, that they had her do. Uh, I realized that you know there was some secrecy in you know where she was holed up, uh, so she had to kill a couple of her guys, and that really impressed everybody um, that she was that gangster. But uh, I, I thought that was a little kind of funny. Um, they could have probably used those guys' help to get out, uh, but. Um, overall, I think uh, Viola Davis, she did a fantastic job. And uh, Joel Kinnaman is Rick Flagg. I, I thought he, he seems like he is probably a really good actor. I think that they gave him a very limited scope of things to do. I think uh, the relationship between uh, uh, him and Enchantress didn't really work for me too much. I mean, I didn't really believe it that much. Uh, at the end, he was happy she wasn't dead, so, you know, spoiler alert, but um, it, that relationship could really have driven the movie a little more, and it didn't for me. Amanda Waller, I thought, was spot on. Um, she was very secretive, and she was also very manipulative, as Amanda, as I like to see Amanda Waller to be. Rick Flagg, I don't have a whole lot to say about him, other than the fact that I think I wasn't too happy with the way they characterized him as sort of being like Waller's flunky, that Waller had some had something over Flag that she was basically manipulating Flag as well. I thought that as a performance, Amanda Waller was pretty much perfect. I might have wanted her to be a little more Wall-like, uh, which is to say big, um, just because I think it is is kind of a, a really clever visual pun to say that she is the wall and she is also a physical wall, but her will, her, her affect the, I was actually extremely horrified that um, she murdered all her poor techs who helped her out because they weren't cleared. But I thought that was a perfect character moment. Uh, like it made me dislike her, but I usually dislike Amanda Waller. She is someone who does things that I am not willing to do. Um, that she always has reasons for it, and I appreciated that. Structurally, I think Waller suffered from the fact that this film had too many characters. Uh, and what I mean by that is I believe that Amanda Waller would not be dumb enough to be caught in the middle of a city that had been taken over by the Enchantress. I don't think she would have been... I, don't, I just don't think she would have put herself in that position. Um. But I think that's more of a thing that how else are you going to structure a movie with that many characters? You need a simple plot for them to go in and get out. 
And so that was part of the economy's screenwriting that I think sort of backfired. Um, Kidman as Flag, I agree um, with uh, Jim and Jerry that there was not much for him to do. Um, I think part of that is because June Moon as a character doesn't really exist. She's just the thing in Cara Delevingne's body when she's not playing the Enchantress. All she is is this shattered shell of a person, so it's very difficult to see what Flag cares about. Now, I'm sure that if they'd given more time to that, uh, both actors could have done something, but they didn't. Um, so I didn't really have any moments that Kinnaman did much. Uh, I did think that it was a nice arc where he developed from basically being an accomplice to the the whole crisis when he didn't report that Enchantress had gone missing for a unspecified period of time when she activated her brother. And then, so... She June Moon asks him to destroy her heart um, if it means that the Enchantress is destroyed. And so him finally being able to do that at the end of the movie, I thought, was, was well done. I just think that because June Moon wasn't really a character, it was difficult to sympathize with him. Yeah, as far as Waller and Flag, I mean, they definitely go hand in hand. I mean, for me, I mean, no one will be more Waller than CCH Pounder from the animated series, but I thought Viola Davis did a fantastic job that if I had a live-action version, she nailed it. Um, yeah, there were some problems, but some of the decisions she made, I, I didn't even see as her decisions, but I, for a weird reason, I just thought, oh, this is air and studio. It's not actually her making these decisions. It was just one of those things where it felt so removed from something she would do, uh, like getting trapped in the middle of a downtown area, but again, uh, just needing to move the plot along. As far as uh, Flag goes, I am a big fan of uh, Joel Kinnaman. Um, I, I've always liked him kind of in that, you know, he was in, I liked him in RoboCop. Uh, he was great in House of Cards, and he always in those movies has that kind of background of a military, uh, you know, soldier and all that. But the one thing I kind of was hoping for in this movie is that he was motivated to be in charge of the squad in duty of his country, um, which I always found was an interesting point. Uh, again, going back to the animated series where that was the driving force he was even serving for Waller was because he believed in the the good that the team could do, Task Force X. So I was actually kind of hoping, you know, he might have had that angle. Obviously, they introduced the love story to try and add maybe a more emotional aspect to him, which is fine. Um, I thought it was, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to knock on it, but the whole, you know, her telling him, you'll have to stab the heart, you'll kill me before not to let her out. I thought it was a little bit too heavy-handed. It was obvious that, at least to me, that, okay, so he's going to have to do that later. Um, so that that much kind of got in the way a little bit of the story for me. But overall, I, I thought they did, both did a great job as kind of the, the special ops side of things. Well, I'll start with uh, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg for myself. Now, other than having a three-handicap in golf from the opening caption, I just don't think there was anything else memorable that set him apart. I didn't get anything from his performance. Did he have any charisma? Did he give off any vibe that I should like him or hate him or care about his character? No, not really. Did he have any interactions or memorable exchanges with the group or any of the individuals of the group? To me, no, not really. Now, Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. I expected she would do a great job, and she did just that. 
she lended some credibility to the project. Uh, I wish she was given more lines and we had some more insights uh, to her character background. Uh, I think it was Ian. I was a bit pit off too with uh, her shooting her staff and I kind of wish the script had gone another way with giving her some lines to illustrate some of the cold ruthlessness of Amanda Waller versus the showing people who was shooting, which, which obviously worked for her. Amanda Waller and Viola Davis was, uh, she was amazing. Um, reminded me very much of, uh, not very much, uh, but similar characteristics in the way she portrayed Waller, um, as her, as her character in how to get away with murder. Um, just very commanding in her presence and, you know, knows how to shut a person up with a look, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Viola Davis in the movie was uh, like right up there with Margot Robbie and, and Will Smith. Like they were, it was a perfect, perfect casting. Um, as for what Waller did in the film, um, I mean, like it, I, when you read a Suicide Squad book, like Waller isn't usually in it too much. Um, so I kind of thought Waller was in there just enough to kind of move the plot along. Um, and when, you know, they all of a sudden showed up in a building and the person they were sent to rescue was Waller, I was like, oh, okay, that's how they're going to keep her in the film. I thought it was a little weak, but, uh, I just kind of accepted it as is. As for Joel Kinnaman and Rick Flagg, I liked that they included Flagg, um, because he was a part of the original Suicide Squad um, way back in World War II, and they even make a, a reference uh, to it in this film that it was his father. But as for his performance, I mean, uh, we've, we've all kind of mentioned it, so I won't really go too into detail of it, but just because of the relationship between him and June Moon, it, it was kind of weak, and, you know, Rick Flagg was just kind of that military guy that went along with the squad. Yeah, as far, I, I also enjoy Joel Kinnaman in, in some of his other roles that he's been in. House of Cards comes to mind, definitely. Um, I The only problem I had with his character is there just wasn't enough. Uh, I know that a lot of you have already said that there just wasn't a lot to basically do with his character. He was the leader. He was there. That aspect was fine. I'm not real sure I enjoyed the or no I know that I did not enjoy the aspect of him being this romantic interest for June Moon and that's how there was the connection between June Moon and the enchantress and him that part kind of fell apart for me and he did come across as somewhat sappy in a couple different situations when talking about how he lost June and things like that more so than I would see imagine somebody from the military who has special ops training and has been dealt with, you know, has dealt with a variety of different situations such as he has this, something like this is not something that connects well to his character. Um, as far as Amanda Waller goes and Viola Davis, I think Viola Davis did a great job. I honestly, uh, initially when they were casting Amanda Waller for the film, it was down to, just a few names, but the the point is Viola Davis, in my mind, after seeing some of her wor- her her work on other projects and things like that, seeing how serious she can be, I thought to myself, "There's there's no way she doesn't get it," and she got it, and I think she did well. But again, I agree with the earlier statement that she just she, there there wasn't as much as you would prefer. But again. I think that's going to be the case when we get to a lot of these characters or when we get through a lot of these characters is that there was a lot of really good characters and acting that was happening. But because there was such a large ensemble cast, it was almost impossible to get too much focus on any of the characters for too long, which 
is 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 a good thing and a bad thing. It can be at least. Um, next two characters I want to talk about: Captain Boomerang, Jay Courtney, or Jai Courtney. Um, and El Diablo, Jay Hernandez, they were probably the secondary characters that had the most interaction with the story itself. So let's talk about those two. I think uh, Jay Courtney did a, a really good job. He was fun. He was funny. He gave a lighthearted comic relief to the show that I thought really worked well. I didn't really feel like he got short. Um, I you know, the short end of the stick. I don't really necessarily need to have any more backstory about him. He was just a good addition. Um, I really enjoyed the El Diablo uh, piece much more than I expected to. I thought it was it was pretty uh, pretty powerful for me. And I, I think we got an adequate backstory, and I think the actor really sold it, and the interactions um, between um, that that um, between him and the other characters, I think, really worked well as they kind of, you know, as Will Smith was kind of trying to bring him out, and I thought that was funny and interesting, and then how he was able to kind of overcome his issues and kind of really you know, kick butt at the end, I thought was really strong. So I really enjoyed that character very much. I would have much to say about Captain Boomerang. I did did enjoy his little remarks sometimes. Um, I did have a problem understanding like his first line. I don't even know what he said there. With El Diablo, he was actually my second favorite in uh, character in the whole thing. He really had the character arc. They had him as being almost a foil with Will Smith. And the fact that Will Smith said that he had never killed women and children, and El Diablo did. I thought it was interesting that they used Diablo as the way to kind of bring the squad out of the Enchantress's um, spells, that he was able to know immediately that what he was seeing was, was false, and what the others were seeing were basically what they wanted to see. I have to confess that I really dislike Jai Courtney as an actor. He has been really terrible in everything I've seen him in. That being said, I didn't hate him here. I just thought he was one of the overstuffings. I didn't think he contributed much to the film. And I don't see how Boomerangs really helped fight all the weird zombies. I really liked Jay Hernandez as um, El Diablo. Uh, I thought that his his backstory was really well done. I thought that his acting was really good. And I love the difference he portrayed between what he was like before he sort of accidentally murdered his family and after. Uh, before he was cocky and his body language was perfect. And there was a little special effect of him giving himself a crown of fire. I thought that was both hilarious and really dark. And then afterwards, where he was just so chill and trying so hard to just not hurt other people. And like some people have criticized the Diablo at the end uh, sacrifices himself. They're like, oh, he's only known these people for 12 hours. How can he love them already? I think that, number one, I think he's a character of intense loyalties. I think that was well well acted and, and reasonably well written. For another thing, I think that is pretty clear that he kind of wanted to die. Uh, he had destroyed the thing that mattered the most to him, his family, and he didn't see a point in living. And I thought that was well done. I thought he really sold that. Yeah, Jay Courtney, I mean, he was fine for the role he was in. I, you know, again, just as Ian, you just said, I wasn't sure his overall role with the Suicide Squad um, or his effectiveness. I didn't get to see, at the very least, a, a wider array of uh, his arsenal, uh, different 
he's Captain Boomerang, and yet all he has are really sharp boomerangs. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, maybe a few explosives, or maybe I missed that. I don't know. But, um, yeah, he, he was funny at times. He had a few uh, good one-liners. Um, like, Ian, just like you, I, I haven't really liked him in his other roles. So this one was um, actually okay, and so I was, I was okay with it. Um, Diablo, um, just like you guys said, I think he came out for a lot of fans as a a fan favorite. Um, I think people walked away liking his character. I think one of the reasons would be he, he of all the Suicide Squad seems to know he's a bad guy. And he, you know, he sacrifices himself at the end. He was looking for redemption. That was something that seemed like the whole time, you know, he was being dragged along. And if he was going to go out, it was going to go out protecting people. And I think that's what, you know, his character arc was a really, really good one um, that, seem to connect with people. It almost kind of lifts you at the end going, oh, he's gone now? That That's too bad. Because he's obviously kind of became a little bit more of the heart of the team at the end there. Um, and, of course, it's a superhero movie, so, you know, no one's ever really dead. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But his transformation at the end, achieving his full power, I thought that was great. Um, so, yeah, uh, just a, a great... Uh, Hernandez did a great job of portraying Diablo. Well, I thought Courtney was a good addition to the cast. I did like Captain Boomerang. I think he's an underused Flash villain. I, uh, he was one of my favorites from his rogues gallery. And if you're going to cast a guy who's really into pink unicorns, I think they did a pretty good job selling it. Now, as far as uh, Jay Hernandez as El Diablo, I thought his performance was outstanding. And the next best performance following Margot Robbie's. Now, I have to admit I was unfamiliar with his work. It, and the only thing I had seen him in previously were the hostile movies. I thought he did an excellent job showing his character. He was a strained, tortured, and guy just consumed with guilt. I thought it was an excellent job, and that's all I have on both. Okay, to start off with, we have Jai Courtney and Captain Boomerang. I agree, as it's been uh, said a couple times before, I was never a huge Jai Courtney fan, but I think in this movie he kind of redeemed himself, in my eyes at least, and I think Boomerang was in just enough of the film. Um, I think any more than it would have been a little bit too much, but he was kind of there just to add a little humor with a couple one-liners, you know, being the drunk guy on the team and with his pink unicorn and some boomerangs and stuff like that. So I think for this film, Courtney did a great job. And for Boomerang, I think he portrayed him really well. And I think he was like, in the perfect amount of the movie that they needed him to be. As for Jay Hernandez and Diablo, um, I thought he was excellent. Um, I didn't know too much about El Diablo. I remember him being in the early arcs of the New 52 Suicide Squad, but they never really expanded on his character, so I was kind of looking forward, um, hoping that they would do that here, and they did. And I found it um, really kind of heartbreaking that... um, that he had, you know, accidentally killed his family and was seeking some form of redemption. So I like that by the end of the film that, like, he does have that noble, almost heroic sacrifice um, to kind of redeem himself. And I was sad to see him go. I was kind of hoping that maybe he would be in in future movies. But uh, I definitely think he was the breakout star from this film. Okay, so Jai Courtney is Captain Boomerang. Uh, honestly, this is... The- there was some reason I really liked him in this film. Um, I, I, I'm sure it's more because he was the, you know, wise ass character that constantly was cracking jokes, even at the, the worst possible times. 
Um, the fact that he had a pink unicorn and they made a point earlier when they, they introduced him that he has a fetish for stuffed pink unicorns. I just found it hilarious. I don't know why. I just, I just found it really funny. Um, I agree that he was in the movie just as much as he needed to be. He did not need to be in there necessarily any more than he already was. But by all means, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to him reappearing at some other point in the DC universe, preferably, possibly, hopefully with, you know, the Flash in some aspect, just because they have that interaction that was introduced in this film. As far as El Diablo, I think he did a great job. I think the character was portrayed as, you know, a, a broken man, basically. He, you know, he felt bad about what he did, um, but at the same time, he held back just till the point where he really was needed. And I think that Jay Hernandez did a great job as, as El Diablo. I mean, it's, it is unfortunate that we, we would assume that the character is no longer around given the way it ended. But that being said, I think he did a great job. Um, next, uh, a group of characters, um, because they they all had slightly minor roles. They didn't have a whole lot of screen time and, and dialogue to actually go over. Um, the remaining members of the squad, Slipknot, which we all know he, he was not, we didn't, I don't think anybody expected him to be in the film very long. Uh, Killer Croc and Katana. Katana, um, I, let's just talk about the three characters altogether. Obviously, some had more time on screen than others, but let's talk about those three characters, whether or not you liked those characters in the film or not. I felt bad for Katana, actually. I thought that she would be in it more. You know, I was a little disappointed with the um, with the small role. I think that Katana's a good character, and I think she could have been used more. I think that, you know, she kind of was there to protect um, Flag's back, and when things kind of went south, she kind of abandoned him. So I don't, you know, really think that, um, you know, that she was given enough good stuff to do. She had one scene where she cried over her sword, um, but that didn't seem to be to kind of cover what they could have used the character for. Um, Slipknot, I thought that was, I guess they had to kill somebody to show that Amanda Waller meant business. And um, unfortunately it was Slipknot for him. Uh, Killer Croc, I, I enjoyed uh, the character. I enjoyed, uh, you know, him kind of, you know, going into the water uh, at the end and, you know, saying, you know, everybody else is just a tourist. I thought that was fun. I thought some of the back and forth was kind of interesting. He wasn't in very much, but what I, where it was, I think, seemed to work. Slipknot, I have absolutely nothing to say about, um, other than he was the, uh, like was said before, he was the evidence that Amanda meant business when it came to the bombs in the neck. Killer Croc, I thought was really good. I agree, I love that scene with him going into the water um, with the Navy SEALs. I really can't say much about Killer Croc and that I thought he was good. Now, Katana, I was disappointed with. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her. They kind of got into the Soul Taker sort of a little bit. I know this is a ensemble movie and katana was just brought in when they were boarding the helicopter and this is katana and she'll kill you if you kill me so i was really disappointed in katana she's in the comic she's one of my i guess i could say favorite lower level characters and i really would have liked to see more of her i thought very similarly to what uh, jerry and james have said that katana was good but Again, like Captain Ruring, is evidence of her stuffing. She doesn't have anything to do. There is 
nothing in the movie that would really change if you took her out. Um, I think she's a really cool character in the comics. And I think that the scene where she is crying over the sword for her husband was actually a really good moment acting wise. It is completely unnecessary and it doesn't add anything to the plot or any of the other characters. Uh, there was that one really nice moment when Harley Quinn says, nice to meet ya. And that I thought was a really good use of those two actors playing off each other. But again, there's only like a couple of those moments, whereas most of the other characters, you can say, oh, they had this relationship with this character and the relationship with this character. Even the character she's nominally most familiar with, Rick Flagg, has very little reaction to her. Um, I guess there's also the moment where she says, I'm not a thief, but that doesn't really, a negative doesn't really do much for the character. Killer Croc, I have a difficult time figuring out what I feel about Killer Croc because I don't like cannibals. He was funny until I remembered he was a cannibal. So I guess that's where I fell on him. Slipknot, I thought it was a little obvious of them that they didn't give him an introduction like all the other characters. I don't think there was anyone who didn't know he was going to die. Yeah, as far as just Billy up, Slipknot, I mean, I, I laughed out loud. I thought that was great. I mean, it, it did appear you knew it was coming, and there had to be some show, show of force that Waller meant business. And, I, you know, the fact that that was actually one of my favorite scenes with, with Captain Boomerang is because he's trying to orchestrate this escape, and, you know, he doesn't even get very far, and he sees how Slipknot, it just it was kind of funny seeing his reaction to, uh, you know, Slipknot getting his head blown off. But, um as far as Killer Croc, I, again, just kind of what everyone said, it was a very limited role. Um, I would have liked actually his, um, a little bit more of how he got caught. Um, I think they showed like a SWAT team going after him. I would have actually liked that scene to have a, maybe a Batman cameo, show how he took him down. That would have been uh, interesting to me. Um as far as Katana, I mean, just like everyone said, a little underutilized, um, but the action that she had and some of the emotional depth that she was portraying in such a limited time frame, I think that we can see a lot more from her uh, in future movies. Um, so that will be something I'll be looking forward to. Well, real quick, uh, Slepnot, if you needed a C-list villain from the DCU that was expendable, I think it was a perfect choice. I don't think anyone's uh, ranting about missing his character. Killer Croc, wow. Uh, great, great job with the uh, makeup and effects. I thought he really looked good. I wish he had a little more to do. There were some problems where I had some difficulty understanding uh, his dialogue and some of his lines, but it just, I think, goes part with the character as well. Uh, Karen Fukuhama is Katana. I thought she really did a good job. I wish she had more to do and displayed more of her fighting skills. But one thing I kind of really liked in going off little slight tangent here. I really like how the strands of her hair just came down to right cover her eyes and just sit right there. I I thought that was really cool, just the way she looked. And every time you saw her, just her hair was just always in that one spot. And that's all I had for those three. Um. Well, for Slipknot, all I have to say is cannon fodder. Um. And I mean, anyone that wasn't expecting it, I mean, look at the opening introductions, and he got no cool little stat thing, nothing, and he got introduced at the last second. So, you know, it felt kind of bad for Slipknot, but, you know, you have to have that demonstration. Uh, Killer Croc I thought was really cool. I really liked his design. Um, I even noticed, like, the when he had, the like, the double-blinking eyelids that crocodiles normally have, and I thought that was really a neat detail to have. Um, and again, he, he was good, but didn't really have much to do. Um, as for Katana, I really, I think it's one of the things that I dislike most about Suicide Squad was 
after seeing it, the inclusion of Katana, because I felt like she was forced in there for absolutely no reason. She, you know, they were about to take off, and I was like, where's Katana? You know, I'm waiting for her to show up when the rest of the squad gets introduced, and she doesn't, and it's not till they're literally almost in the air that she jumps onto the plane and flags like, oh yeah, this is Katana. Um, I thought it would have been maybe a little bit better to have Katana and Flag have had a uh, combat relationship that was explored right from the beginning of the film, like they'd been in maybe battles together or, or something to that extent that they'd always had each other's backs, then it would have kind of made sense. Uh, but unfortunately, they really didn't go that route and Katana could have been actually, in my preference, been left out of the film entirely. Okay, so running down the list, um, as far as Killer Croc, I think he did a great job. I think it was awesome that they used uh, practical effects rather than special effects uh, with CG to make his, you know, his his outfit slash costume makeup. Um, it was all practical, which I I really appreciate when films do that because nowadays it's it's almost like too easy for a film just to say let's just do CG. Um, I think the actor did a great job. I agree that there wasn't enough. He didn't have a whole lot. Um, There was issues with his dialogue, but let's also keep in mind that I don't think he said a word the entire film up until that bar scene, which was already two thirds of the film. So in general, he didn't really talk. I didn't know that he, I actually for a while didn't even think he was going to talk in the first place. As far as Katana, here's, here's a problem. And I, and I don't want to come across as, I don't, I don't know. There's not a good way to put it. So I'm just going to say it. I feel as if she was an afterthought specifically because of her ethnicity. Um, when you look at the characters who are in the film, you've got white characters, you've got black characters, Adam beach, his, uh, his, he is a native American. Um, but, and you have El Diablo who's, you know, uh, Latin American, you didn't have anybody who is Asian. So in some ways I almost feel as if the character was thrown in here the last minute because she is Asian and they wanted to make sure that all ethnicities were, were, were represented in this film. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I feel as if outside of her initial introduction, when she gets on the helicopter, there's there's not a whole there's no reason she's really here um she could have been interchanged with any character who you know is you know has the ability to fight which is a shame because i also enjoy the character um i would love to see this you know you know let's just hope that the movies all become super successful and we just keep seeing tons of dc films way down the line I could definitely you know I would love to see potentially an outsider's film and she would be a main part of that care of that team so that being said uh, I don't feel as if there was enough given to her slipknot there's not much to add from everything that you guys already said we all knew he was there to basically die I mean nobody in their right brain was looking at this list of villains and saying yes slipknot he's not the one who's gonna get killed um, so Let's dive into the villains. Uh, Enchantress Cara, Cara Delevingne, I believe I'm saying that correctly. Um, Incubus, um, as her brother. Let's talk about those two and whether or not you feel as if those characters should have held the villain roles in a movie this big. I think that the villains are a little bit of the weakness of this film. I don't think that they seem to be as strong as they could have. And I think on the one hand, I, I understand the logic behind um, Enchantress. Uh, I felt like her 
uh, Incubus was added so that the good guys could have someone to kill because they didn't want to kill Enchantress. Um, so I didn't see that he was really much of a character there, hardly at all. And I think also, you know, a lot of the times when they were showing Enchantress, they were, you know, Cara Delevingne, she, uh, they had CGI all over her body and her voice was all, um, you know, distorted. And, and so you couldn't really, it wasn't really much of a physical performance. Uh, she was just kind of there like an old, uh, those old um, Bakshi films uh, where they, you know, take, uh, start with a human and then put cartoons over it. So uh, I, from what we saw when, when she was a uh, human, I thought that it was fine, but not really much there. And I, I think that relationship between uh, her and Flag was only so-so. So um, I would like to see more of her. I think that's why they saved your life. They didn't kill her so that we could get her back uh, in future future films, and I think that's great. I would just like to see a little bit more next time. I don't have much to add about Enchantress and Incubus. Um, I wouldn't even don't. I'm not even familiar with Incubus at all in the comics, and I'm very I have very little knowledge of Enchantress. I think they just were thrown in to be the villains. Um, Incubus almost seemed like Bane from Batman and Robin. I really, like I said, I don't have much to add to it other than it was like that was the the meh part of the movie. I have to admit that the villains, I think, were probably the biggest miscalculation on the movie's part. I think. I see the purpose behind them, like they're tied to Flag, they're tied to Amanda, so there's this element where we create the problems that we have to solve, sort of like a political commentary thing, but I don't think that the stakes or the relationships were ever significant enough in terms of given screen time, given uh, importance to the other characters that it mattered, and it was... Basically just another goofy CGI life light show that they had to dispel by the end of the movie. I was impressed with the acting of the characters, but I was not impressed with the writing of the characters at all. Yeah, I'll say as far as Enchantress, um, Incubus, I, I mean, I, what, like someone already said, he, he was basically just the, the big henchman uh, for everyone to gang up on and kill while she built the machine. But I, I really was... Um, I was disappointed with the villain, uh, needless to say. Um, it was probably the worst part of the movie. I mean, they, and even some of the special effects were really weak at the end. I mean, her, she was doing some kind of weird dance coming down the stairs, coming to talk to the team. It was a very bizarre scene. I didn't know what she was doing. Her motivations kind of seemed like people used to worship her, but now they don't, obviously. So to get back at them for worshiping machines, she's going to build a machine. It was just very all over the place as far as what her role was. As far as the, the I will say one of the coolest scenes was when uh, Amanda Waller showed her off to the Joint Chiefs of Staff or whatever the Department of Defense room meeting was where the hand kind of came from underneath um, the doctor's hand and kind of became, she became the Enchantress. I thought that was a very cool scene and showing her capabilities but overall I just it, it just seemed like you know they needed someone to fight and you know here's the enchantress why not so that that part was obviously the most disappointing part for me well I agree with some of the comments already stated already uh, my spin on this was I think this might have been an idea using enchantress as a villain that was an idea that looked great on paper but uh 
once it reached the screen and transferred to film, it maybe didn't uh, come off as, as I initially had hoped. Uh, I also was wondering, too, if there were any other costume ideas bandied about with this particular character, because uh, the wardrobe uh, was certainly unusual with the decorations and some somewhat of a Egyptian goddess look toward the end and, and the other uh, look she had uh, before which was a far cry from her first comic book appearance uh, look. So I wonder if this evolved in any way. I'd be curious to find out if, if that had happened. It, it was just sort of an anvil, and I, I can't fault uh, the performance uh, as far as acting. I think she did the best she could with what she was given. Definitely have to say that both of these characters, um, Enchantress and uh, Incubus, they both looked really, really good, um, especially... Um, um, it was mentioned already, like the transformation the first time in in that that meeting room between June Moon and Enchantress. That was really cool, um, and just the you know the swirling clouds of dark magic and and I thought the designs for both characters were really good. Um, that being said, them being the villains, um, I really eh, I thought it was pretty weak um, for that. This is what the squad was going up against. But then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, well, who could the squad go up against? Like, they're not going to go up against, um, you know, a dark side or, uh, you know, they're going to have to go up against some type of kind of B or C list villain because, I mean, this is the Suicide Squad. we got Deadshot, we got Harley, we have Killer Croc, and it's got to be something these guys are going to be plausible enough to take down. So as much as I, I love villains in, in comics and movies and on TV, um, I kind of thought that, you know, these guys were okay and, and unfortunately could have been done better. Yeah, I think the thing is, on the roles themselves, I don't think the actors did a bad job in any way with what they were given. I think the problem is, when you are focusing a movie on a group of villains, it's almost impossible to have a villain that is going to be worthwhile and come across as a villain that you're going to enjoy when the whole point of the movie is for you to enjoy the villains that are on the team fighting the other villain. Um, so I think that the whole idea is, even though it was under the radar, I didn't go, I didn't go into the movie knowing that this character, I knew there was something, that, but I didn't know what, uh, that was, you know, the, that ended up being Incubus. I had no idea one who Incubus was, too, that Incubus was in the movie. Uh, so, I mean, props to that, considering when we look at the comparison between uh, Suicide Squad and Batman vs. Superman, we had Doomsday revealed in the trailer. Really, that probably shouldn't have been revealed in the trailer, but it was because they wanted to make it seem like Lex Luthor wasn't the only villain. Um, so props to them for at least holding back on revealing who the villain was. The as far as the the villains go, I mean, like complete throwaway characters. As far as their characters, I don't know that Enchantress would actually show up f down the line because I, I I just assumed that that was the end of her. I mean, June Moon's still around, but Enchantress doesn't seem like that's that's existent whatsoever. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is obviously the other villain of sorts that shows up in the film. Um, which is obviously a pretty big one for us for the Batman universe. That is uh, Joker played by Jared Leto. want to talk about two things specifically, obviously, you know, whether or not what was in the film you enjoyed, whether or not you thought he did a good job, you know, that same aspect that we've been talking about. But the other one thing I want to talk about in relation to Joker is that 
there's been a lot of talk about how there was a lot of scenes cut from the film. Jared Leto has gone on and done interviews stating that there was enough footage and scenes filmed with himself to make an entire Joker film. Whether or not that's an exaggeration, which I'm sure it is, remains to be seen. Um, but the Joker's not in the film very much. I mean, he's just not. He's he's. I, I wouldn't say he's an afterthought by any means, but he plays a very, very, very minor role. And for all of the hype that we heard uh, it, for the months leading up to the film about all how he gets really in-depth with his method acting and things like that and how involved he was with uh, how how in character he stayed while he was you know, filming Suicide Squad. Do you think all of the hype that came to be was, was warranted based off of what you saw, number one? And number two, the other aspect of it is, you know, this film had – it wasn't about Joker. So did the Joker need to have more scenes – do you or do you believe that the Joker needs to have more scenes? You know, what's your overall take on this? You know, they cut out a gazillion Joker scenes situation that that everyone's currently talking about. Um, and then the aspect of you know, if there was more Joker scenes, do you think it would have made the film any better? I'm perfectly happy with the um, amount or the the lack of Joker scenes. I think it was Ian before that said that he wasn't a, a Joker fan, and I. I have to agree with that. I'm, I'm not either. I think that it makes sense. The Joker's always going to get a lot of attention in a movie like this because of just the iconic um, nature of the character. But um, I, I am perfectly happy with what, um, with you know how little he was in this in this movie. I think uh, Jared Leto was very much. Uh, did a job very much, very similar uh, to, to Heath Ledger. I could definitely see some of that in his vocal mannerisms. Uh, maybe if he had been in it more, we would have seen more of a difference. But uh, like I said, I'm perfectly happy with uh, the the lack of Joker in this. I think there was plenty of cool characters to investigate and that I would have liked to have seen more than Joker. I um, am happy with him being... Um, a bad guy, and in this in this movie in particular, uh, put to the side. I am not a Joker fan. I was not happy when I heard that the Joker was going to be in this film. I was hoping it was just going to be maybe a flashback scene to connect him with Harley. I wish it stayed that way. I really didn't like seeing him come in. I didn't like seeing him in the end. I would say probably every actor would wish that they had more scenes in any movie, and I think that's what basically Leto is saying here. Uh, I do agree that his performance was very similar to Heath Ledger's, um, maybe less on the chaos and more of a crime lord kind of a thing. I just think Joker is, A, Joker's overused to begin with. We've seen him in two different uh, iterations in the films, and that's not including Cesar Romero. I thought Joker, like I said, had no no point in being in this movie other than being the character that would probably bring people to see this movie because they would they don't know really who Deadshot is or who Boomerang is but the Joker the Joker probably was your A-list character well i've already made it quite clear that i hate the Joker when it comes to performances i mostly look for uh, a performance of the Joker i mostly look for someone who compels me despite my hatred of the character and the only person who's ever done that was Heath Ledger. I don't 
like Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't like The Dark Knight as a film very much, but I thought that his performance was enormously compelling. I think Leto was going for something similar, but he wasn't given as much good writing. So the Joker came across as evil and scary, but not as quote-unquote cool as Ledger's Joker. I thought that he was in the movie more than necessary. I didn't like the filming style that they chose to use, uh, that weird color trick that they did when the Joker suddenly got angry and killed that gangster who was trying not to hit on Harley. I didn't like that that filming technique. I'm with, with Jerry. I wish they, or James, or both. I wish they'd kept it just as flashbacks. I thought the final scene was completely unnecessary, and it. I, as I said, I like Harley free of the Joker. I like Harley as a character, but I prefer her to be independent. And so seeing her back with the Joker at the end of the movie didn't make me happy. I did enjoy um, the one scene where uh, Leto, Leto as Joker says to Harley, will you live for me? And she jumps into the chemicals and then Leto walks away, but then he changes his mind and jumps back in. I thought that was actually the one time in the movie that I thought the Joker was an interesting character. Other than that, I wish he was in less of the movie. If the extended cut has more Joker, I have no desire to to buy or see that. Um, I just I don't like the Joker. He was definitely one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Well, I mean, as far as Heath Ledger's Joker, I mean, that was a, an amazing performance, not to just completely counter Ian, but, I mean, I love that role. That movie was was great, and I felt like going into this, I think a lot of people were not sure what to expect. I mean, you hear all these reports of how Jared Leto was behind the set. He was really kind of getting a little crazy, and and not Heath Ledger. He was Jared was kind of going a little bit more uh, zany, and it just was very confusing. So you weren't really sure what to expect from his role. Um, I thought he did, um, I forget who already mentioned it, but he did the more criminal mastermind, you know, the Cesar Romero, except incredibly violent uh, version of that, rather than the embodiment of chaos and crazy that Heath Ledger's Joker portrayed. So as far as his role in the film, I thought it was appropriate. I actually thought they were going to, I had avoided watching some of the uh, latest trailers of the movie. So I actually thought maybe he might have been the villain going into the movie um, when it was first announced uh, based on the animated movie Assault on Arkham, how they had him being the villain that had a dirty bomb and the team had to go get him, but obviously that's not the route they went. But for what they had, I thought it was an appropriate amount of the film. And all the deleted scenes that were cut, one way or the other, I, I'm not exactly interested in seeing it. Not because I, you know, hated the Joker or not. I just, I, I had no really interest. I liked the movie what it was. Uh, did he live up to the hype? I certainly don't think he lived up to the hype. Uh, as far as the story and how it played out, I thought the Joker came on and appeared a little too soon. There was no buildup. There was no suspense. There was just no f- sense of fear with the with the character uh, when you usually see the Joker. Scene-wise, there was more of Joker appearances than I thought there were than there would be from what I initially read. Uh, In my opinion, though, this was a somewhat subdued performance. I would have liked to have seen just one scene of a bit of manic energy or just some, just some insanity. Uh, Leto did give a unique performance. I'll have to give him that, but this is one that won't be talked about afterwards in my opinion. 
uh, I didn't notice the grill metal teeth or let that bother me as the film wore on, which I thought it would. I, you know, one thing I did love, though, was the nod to the uh, Alex Ross Harley Quinn Joker cover, though, which was just a little snippet where she kind of twirls towards him a little bit. And she there's a close up of her face and you can kind of see her in the old costume just where the hairline goes. I thought that was a spectacular shot. And whoever did that should be commended for the idea for putting that in. I really love the Joker um, as a character. I think he's interesting and compelling and crazy and, and kind of like a perfect villain for Batman. I also really loved Heath Ledger's performance in the dark Knight. Um, very crazy and psychotic and, you know, you know, doesn't have a plan and, and this agent of chaos. I thought I would compare Leto's Joker a lot to Ledger's. Um, and of course you're, you're going to do that, but I thought that Leto brought a very interesting take to his Joker and it was a very like kind of drug dealer crime boss, um, which was very, very different from anything I've seen. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I do like that we didn't get to see a lot of the Joker. I thought he, like, kind of like Captain Boom, Boomerang, he was just in enough of the movie to remind you that he was there, and he was still kind of pulling the strings on Harley, and you did see him in a few flashbacks in, you know, Harley's origin and, and all that. So if there are more deleted scenes, I don't know how, I actually don't know how I feel about it, because I feel if there is more Joker, it's just going to, push the film more in his direction and the film isn't about Joker so I liked enough uh, I liked what they included of him enough and I would actually prefer them to leave it as is. I, I, I don't think that Leto did a bad job whatsoever it's, it's a different version it's not that Agent of Chaos that Heath Ledger played and I, I, I feel as if there's there is probably a lot more that he could do with the character but this isn't the movie that that would needed to be done. And as much as I, you know, I I watched the you know, Batman vs Superman Ultimate Edition, sat down for the extra thirty minutes that it took to watch it, and they did do a better job of hashing out some of the story. But there's still issues, a lot of the problems that existed in the the original cut that was in theaters still exist. But there are some aspects of the story that do, do get fleshed out a little bit more by adding that extra time. I don't feel as if by adding more Joker scenes, it's going to do anything for the story in any way, shape, or form. I don't think anything that we saw with the Joker leaves is let you know we're not left with any sort of questions of whether or not the character, you know, anything happened with the character. Everything you saw with the character is explained on screen. It works perfectly. There's no need for do it. If there truly is a gazillion amounts of footage of Leto as the Joker. By all means, they should just do like a special feature on the DVD or Blu-ray when it releases, talking about how he gets crazy in-depth method acting and do interviews with the cast who received the crazy presence that he sent while he was in his crazy I'm, I'm Joker all the time method acting role that he was in and just do it like that. And just that's that's what they do, um, because by all means, I'm not. I, I would love to see the footage, but I don't want to see it in the film. Like you guys said, um, it doesn't make any sense for it to go in the film. Um, the, so that wraps up the actors. The last thing I want to talk about in regards to actors, to kind of kind of works with our next topic, which is the mid credit scene. So in the mid credit scene, we have Amanda Waller trading barbs with uh, Bruce Wayne. She declares that she basically knows that he's Batman without 
exactly saying it. And he knows that you know he's there because she's looking for protection from the government because of what happened in Midway City. Because essentially, a lot of it was her fault. He says that he can provide protection if, in turn, she gives him what he needs, which is just happens to be some files on some metahumans, which include Flash and Aquaman. Now, there's two questions here that uh, I want to talk about in relation to this. Um, the first one is, you know, Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne appears here. Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. Uh, as Batman, that is, appears in some other parts of the film. Do you feel as if they utilized Ben Affleck as Batman slash Bruce Wayne in the film in a good way or a bad way? And the other thing I want to talk about is there's talk online about the fact that why would he, we even need this mid credit scene? We saw at the end of Batman vs. Superman that he's going to go put together the Justice League. He already has the files that Lex Luthor had showing that Aquaman and Flash both exist. But my argument behind that is, well, he doesn't know necessarily where they're at. He just has these random videos from wherever they are. Yes, he's the world's greatest detective, but if you don't have to do a lot of work to find it, why not just go get these files from somebody who already has it? I mean, he, he basically did that when he went and stole the giant piece of kryptonite in Batman vs. Superman. Just saying. So... Let's talk about Ben Affleck in the film by itself, as well as whether or not you feel as if this mid credit scene sets things up in a positive manner. I think they're just keeping the uh, Justice League movie in everybody's mind by um, having the mid credit scene. It's just like, yep, yeah, we know, um, my friends will help you, that kind of thing. I mean, we're just teasing, teasing the Justice League movie, and, and that's perfectly fine. That's uh, kind of a fun wink, actually, I felt at the, uh, at the audience. I'm perfectly happy with the amount of Batman that was in this. Uh, this is a, a Suicide Squad movie, and rather, if I was going to get any more of any character, I'd like El Diablo a little bit more. Um, and um, I don't. I, I really uh, did enjoy the scene with uh, Deadshot with the daughter. I thought that that worked not so much because of Ben Affleck or Batman being there, but just that whole scene was good, and you know, Batman was uh, part of it. So. Um, you know, again, this isn't a Batman movie, and it was nice to get a little bit, and uh, I'm glad Ben Affleck is going to be hanging around for a while. Well, most of the characters in the Suicide Squad are Batman-related uh, characters. Um, we meet Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Killer Croc. That's most of the uh, Suicide Squad team right there. I like the I liked his use, particularly in the Deadshot scene. I did have problems with him in the Harley Quinn when he carried her out of the water, and it looked like he wasn't giving her mouth to mouth. It looked like he was kissing her, and I wasn't thrilled about seeing that at all. As far as with with Deadshot. It was good to show Floyd's love for his daughter as well as his daughter's love for him. The mid-credit scene with Bruce Wayne, um, I think it's just to try to connect it more to, to Justice League. We had it in the very beginning when they were talking about Superman and the next Superman may not have their the same values as humanity. Then we got away from that. We got into the action of the Suicide Squad itself. And I think this just brings it back, says, hey, remember us? We're, we're still forming the Justice League here. It's interesting because we might see more of an alliance between Amanda Waller and Bruce Wayne that I'm not familiar really with seeing in the comics. But if it means more Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, then, hey, more power to it. I actually really love the way Batman was hanging out. He was really cool, 
but he was never the focus of the scenes he was in. And I thought that was perfect. I love seeing Batman from not just a villain point of view, just from a non-Batman point of view. Yeah, as far as his utilization in this film, I thought it was it was great. Um, the flashback scenes were were really good use of Batman as far as not using him in the present. I mean, you have the med credit scene, but it's nice to have him as a flashback as a, a device to show how these criminals were caught. In fact, I would have liked, I think I didn't mention this earlier, but I would have liked Killer Croc to have been caught by Batman, just kind of showing that they all kind of have a problem with him. So it kind of just... It adds. It could also add a little element of humor. They all have something in common, even if they don't know it. They're all caught by the same guy. Um, the mid-credit scene. I, I've always liked the interactions between uh, Bruce and and Waller. Um, it's nice to see that. And I mean, they're pretty much making Ben Affleck the the Nick Fury, or I'm sorry, Bruce Wayne, the Nick Fury of this of the DC universe. He's connecting all of these dots and he's putting together the team. So yeah, they were just letting you know it's still out there and it's coming as far as the Justice League is. So yeah, that was a great use of the character. I thought. Okay, was Ben Affleck utilized as Bruce Wayne slash Batman in a good way? Yes, I thought so. We had enough uh, scenes of him where I thought he was very very effective in just the right amount. Uh, I, I didn't like the five o'clock shadow though. I, I thought that he could have used a shave. And I also thought the cowl doesn't quite cover his face very well. To me, this looks like, oh, that's been half like in a Batman costume. Whereas in the previous costumes I've seen, uh, film-wise, uh, there was some slight mystery as to who was behind the mask and I couldn't quite tell, you know, say for a jawline. Uh, did the scene, the final scene that set it up in a positive manner? You know, for me, it wasn't the scene itself, but just the mere fact that they gave us a scene, which was sort of unprecedented in uh, DC movie uh, lore up to this point. Uh, the crowd hung around and uh, still hoping for that one little moment where we get a little taste of what's what's to come. I don't think it necessarily meant what the scene was. Yes, we, we did get a little tease of what the, the Waller exchange and what, what we're setting up. But I think just for me, the mere fact that they gave us a scene uh, weighed a little more my, in my mind and based on my reaction and the audiences as well. What do you think, Ryan? I like Batman's inclusion in this film, um, especially in the use of the flashbacks, um, especially I think uh, the Deadshot one we've mentioned before um, is probably my favorite. Um, I actually got really excited when he kind of came down behind Deadshot. It reminded me a lot of um, his entrance in the 89 film where he just kind of slowly descended in the background. Um, so that kind of drew me right back to the to the Michael Keaton Batman. So I really liked that. I don't know if it was a direct homage, but that was the first thought that popped into my mind. Um, as for the end credit scene... Um, I, I was actually surprised it was there because I thought that, you know, DC not putting an, an, a mid-credit or an end-credit scene in was maybe a direct um, opposition to what Marvel does. They always put mid- and end-credit scenes in, um, so I thought they were just choosing to leave it out. So I'm not too sure why they decided to put it in for this one. Um, I do agree with what Destin said initially that I think it was mainly in there. Um, and, and for good reason, to, for Bruce to get information on Aquaman and Flash, um, but to also tie it directly into Justice League, because maybe, hey, someone didn't see Batman v Superman, this is what we're heading towards. As, as far as the Batman inclusion, I thought it was done well. Um, I love to see the perspective of Batman from someone else besides Batman, just 
you know, because we don't ever see that. I mean, there's very little times where that actually happens, especially in film format where we see Batman from the perspective of the villain and things like that. So that was great. The last thing I want to close on, um, when we talked Batman versus Superman, we talked about, you know, what do you think about how the future of the DC universe, I don't really think this film is any sort of indication as to whether or not we can expect great, amazing things from the DC universe at this point, because this film was in some ways, yes, it ties into the overall universe, but I think in some ways it was meant to be a standalone film. Um, so I don't want to talk about how this film, everything hinges on whether or not this film is successful or not, because we already know Wonder Woman is, has already filmed. It's coming out next June. We know that Justice League is currently filming. It's coming out next November. After that, we all have Flash coming out in 2018, early 2018. Um, so, I mean, things are happening. It's They're not slowing down whether or not uh, the future of the DC Universe is, does not rest on one single film at this point. Um, we've seen trailers for Wonder Woman uh, at Comic-Con. We saw uh, footage, saw a slight splice together footage of what we can expect from Justice League. So the whether or not this has anything to do with the future is not relevant. I want to end on a kind of a lighter note. So this movie was riddled with a gazillion Easter eggs. I want to hear what your guys' favorite Easter egg was in the film. And if if somebody mentions your same, you know, the same Easter egg that you really thought was really super great, mention it anyway. Harley's mallet. Most of the movie she had a baseball bat, but I'd love to see she briefly had the mallet, and that's so iconic for her. John Ostrander building. I really thought that was a great homage to the actual creator of Amanda Waller and this form of the Suicide Squad. It was irrelevant to the plot of the movie and overstuffed, but I actually really liked the scene with Katana and the sword. I thought seeing that element of her character was really good. Uh, for me, I think someone already mentioned this, but the Alex Ross kind of homage there, just the, the old Harley Quinn outfit that she was originally uh, shown in the, uh, the animated series. I thought that was really cool and, and unexpected. I didn't Definitely didn't think that I was going to see that. Well, since nobody mentioned it before, I'll say the Flash cameo was 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 something I just didn't see coming. And uh, clunky costume aside, I, I thought that was a really good little snippet. I, I enjoyed that bit. I think everybody took all mine, but uh, um, definitely the John Ostrander building, I thought that was great. And obviously the Alex Ross um, Harley Quinn Joker was uh, definitely wasn't. I actually didn't expect to see the black and red costume, traditional costume of Harley in there. So that was kind of awesome. And mine has a uh, is is specifically the shot where they're showing the flashback of Harley Quinn, and they show the outside of Arkham Asylum with the entrance gates with the words Arkham Asylum, and you see the giant asylum behind in the, in the background. I thought that was awesome because I, we've never seen that before. I mean, Arkham Asylum has existed in other incarnations, but this legitimately looked like a full on giant asylum facility had the classic Batman, the animated series gate. I, I thought that part was cool because it's introducing the fact that this does exist and they're not just, you know, trying to play off that Harley was a psychiatrist at just a generic place and Joker was just at a generic place. Um, Arkham Asylum is now established within this universe, and I think that's great. So um, ending out this this cast, uh, hopefully you guys all enjoyed our review of this, but 
of course, we have to give a rating because everyone here gives ratings all the time. So we're going to give it a rating out of five, as usual, with our comic reviews and our other reviews that we do on the website. So we're going to run down the list and uh, give us your rating. Four Batarangs. 4.5 Batarangs. 3.5 Batarangs. I'm going to go with 4.5. And I got to kind of preface this because I was really harsh on Batman v Superman, which I thought was the low bar of uh, superhero movies along with other low-bar movies, Fantastic Four from last year and Iron Man 3 from Iron Man, uh, the Marvel Disney Studios. In my opinion, this is not a perfect film, but it's better than any of the previous films I mentioned. This was right down the line as far as an average movie, but it was the performances of uh, Margot Robbie and Jay Hernandez that I'm giving this a 2.5 and a favorable recommendation. Um, I'll definitely give it a 4 out of 5 Batarangs. All right, and I... I was actually, until Chris, you gave your rating, I was worried that I was going to give it the lowest rating. I'm going to give it a three out of five. I think the cast did a great job. I thought it was a fun movie, but there are certain movies I, I give ratings to basically anything I watch, and I can't see it getting a higher rating than three for me. So taking in consideration everybody's reviews, uh, it still averages about a 3.5 uh, as far as R rating, which is still a favorable rating. So if you haven't seen Suicide Squad and you've been holding out and you're sitting here thinking, oh my God, these reviews are scaring the crap out of me and I don't know if I want to go see this, just go see it. Decide for yourself. Don't let um, you know a critic's rating judge or you know sway your decision of whether or not you should see a movie. See a movie for yourself. Decide whether or not it's good. If you have any interest in these characters, go see it then decide whether or not it was a great movie. That's that's my recommendation. So to remind everybody to head over to the website, if you're listening to this, uh, obviously we don't release a lot of specials on the special feed, um, and it's been some time since one has released, but if you're listening to this specifically just because of the Suicide Squad review, I implore you to head over to the website. We have all kinds of content to uh, to, to take a look at every single week. Uh, we have news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, comics as well. A lot of the guys here review comics on the website on a weekly basis. We have tons of comic reviews on any given week. There's between five and ten reviews of, of new comics that have released that are part of the Batman universe. So I implore you to check out everything that we have to offer on the website. Also, be sure to check out the wide range of podcasts that we have to offer um, if it's not dealing with specific entertainment news with the Batman Universe podcast or comics with the Batman Universe comic podcast, we have specific podcasts for Batgirl, Batgirl Oracle. We have a Tim Drake podcast. Everyone loves the Drake. Uh, we have tons of stuff. Uh, we have the Bat fans. We have Bruce Wayne's World, different aspects of fandom within the Batman Universe. So I implore you to check all of those out uh, if you're new to the comic book world. Uh, Bat Books for Beginners is a great way to kick off and take a look and see how Batman came to be who he is in in, in the world of the comics as well um, as we take a look at the chronological order of events that have occurred in Batman's life. So tons of tons of content on the website for you guys to check out. Uh, I would be reminiscent without mentioning the fact that we are, of course, doing this all free of charge and... We share our opinions with you with hope that you enjoy our opinions, but reality is because of the massive amount of content that we produce, we do need to support the site in some way, shape, or form. Uh, if you go to the website, on the right-hand side of the website, on the sidebar, there is a spot that says TBU Server Drive. We are currently raising funds to make sure the servers stay intact for the next uh, year and a half. Um, 
the website needs to keep running in order for these podcasts to continue. Um, I have every intention of doing another one of these specials for Wonder Woman when that releases, even though it's outside of the realm of the Batman universe, just because I think it's cool to, one, talk about these things, and two, to continue talking about the DC universe, film, the film universe as it, as it progresses. So support us if you can. Uh, you know, anything, anything helps, uh, whether it be $5, whether it be $50, whether it be $100, whatever you can help out with. That is what we would love. Um, and by all means, if you have any comments on our review, just leave the your comments in the podcast on the podcast post in the comment section, and uh, we'll reply back. Even though we won't have a, a way to actually talk to you again um, until the Wonder Woman uh, movie comes out, we'll still reply to those comments you guys leave in the comment section. So with that, that is everything for this episode. I want to thank my entire group of guys who have come on and talked Suicide Squad with me for the last almost three hours. Um, Thanks a lot. And uh, this is the Batman Universe Specials. We'll see you guys next time. All my friends are heathens, take it slow. Wait for them to ask you who you know.